Have you ever wondered why this reading is so long and complex? Most of the miracle stories that we have about Jesus are pretty short and compact. But this story is central to John's Gospel. The whole of John's Gospel is about seeing and not seeing. That is what it's all about. Right at the beginning, twice it says in the first chapter, Jesus invites people to come and see two prospective disciples. Come and see who I am. And it says all the way through the Gospel, if you see who Jesus is, you see what God is like. So seeing is what it's all about. So a story about a blind man who begins to see becomes a really important story in this gospel, maybe a central story. So it's more, of course, than a story about a blind man seeing. It's about everybody seeing or it's about everybody being blind because it's possible to look and not see. My mother knew this because she would send me to look for things in my room, which I would not be able to find, and then she could find them. She would say, did you have a look or did you have a proper look? It's possible to see and not see. It's possible to look and not see. It's possible to already know what you're looking for, and so when you look for it, you can't find it because it's different. There's a lot of studies being done about what it would have been like for the First Nations people of Australia to see the first fleet arrive or any of the uh, previous engagements with these enormous boats, whether they would have actually seen what we thought was obvious to see a boat full of people. There are stories in South America where white people turned up and people thought they were ghosts because they didn't look like people are supposed to look. Because if you're sure about what you're looking for, you'll see something other than what's there. And that's what's happening here. The Pharisees see a man born blind. This is what they expected to see. They also see a sinner, somebody who's completely unworthy. This is what they expected to see. So therefore, they don't believe him. They don't believe his parents, and they don't believe Jesus. There's total confusion. No one can be trusted because they don't look like they're supposed to look. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. They're so unwilling to see what's before them that they are confused. This man seems to be able to see, so therefore he can't be the man that we know who's blind. It's just obvious. Is it really obvious? The blind man doesn't know how he is healed or where Jesus is. He's confused. The neighbours don't know if he's really the blind man. Neighbours, people who've known him all their lives, suddenly don't know whether it's him or how his sight came back. The disciples don't know if the man or his parents sinned. They're confused. The Pharisees don't know if Jesus is from God or is a sinner. And the blind man's parents have no idea of how he can see either. And you know what? Confusion creates fear. And fear creates anger and looking for someone to blame. We see this all the time. We saw it all the time during COVID, didn't we? We're still with COVID. The desire to find someone to blame for this terrible thing. The Chinese or somebody at a market or 
a lab and we're still going through that process. The world is confusing and gets more confusing and so it's better if we can blame somebody, if we can control it. We don't know what to believe. I don't know if you've paid attention to the idea of deep fakes, which is where your image or an image can be so manipulated that it looks to be something other than it really is. And they're becoming so sophisticated that it's almost impossible to tell. The world is confusing. How do we look and see? What do we do with the AUKUS debate over whether or not we should, apparently we're doing it, whether we have the, because we didn't get to have the debate, um, but we should uh, in, buy nuclear-powered submarines? Are, are politicians telling us what is best for Australia in their, or what is best for their re-election promises, uh, prospects? We don't really know. It's very difficult for us to make, this, to make sense of this. A confusing world is a frightened world. And a frightening world is a hard world. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? There's only two choices. Someone has to be to blame. It must be one or the other. This man is not from God because he doesn't observe the Sabbath. He doesn't do the right thing. He doesn't keep the rules. He doesn't use the right pronouns. He, she, they. It's hard to get that right. He marries or willing to marry LGBTQ, yeah, LGD, gay and lesbian people. I sometimes get confused on trying to get the letters right. So therefore, he doesn't fit in. And our whole church is divided right down the middle about that in the United Church at the moment. There are those of us on one side and those of us on the other. And somehow, we can't talk about it. Can't be from God because he doesn't do this. This is the marker. This is the decider. There are ways that things should be done and they shouldn't be questioned. I was with a, a woman yesterday is ailing and not well and she's in hospital and she started to tell me how you can't trust any tradespeople anymore. They're all crooks. All young people are disrespectful of their elders. They're horrible. So I said, well, how many young people do you know? Turned out about four. They were grandchildren. <laughs> are they respectful? They're wonderful. Their, their parents are really lovely and they brought them up beautifully. You know it, but when you know something, you just know it. And of course, if she had been in a better frame of mind, if she had been a little less unwell, maybe we could have... Oh, well, actually, that's probably overstating it. There are a couple of good tradespeople. In fact, my brother-in-law's friend, and, you know. It's like people will say, Muslims cannot be trusted. But Muhammad, down the road, he's a good bloke. We're mates and we've had barbecues together. You know, it doesn't, doesn't always fit. Jesus said, towards the end of this reading, I came into this world for judgment. So that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. It's a really confusing reading, but I think what it's saying is that people have already decided what they're going to see will just see that. So they won't see this moment of wonder. The man's neighbours, these are people that have known each other all their lives. What do you think in the best of all possible worlds, would have happened 
if they discovered that somebody who'd been blind from birth in a world where there's no social welfare, there's no support, he would have to beg, if he suddenly, they discovered he'd suddenly be able to see? A party. That's what you would do. You would celebrate. You would dance in the streets. You would throw a big party. You would do what often happens in the Gospel of Luke. Not much in John, but in the Gospel of Luke. They're always throwing parties. In fact, Jesus gets into trouble because he seems to spend all his time at parties. That's what you're supposed to do. But here's a word, world so hard and so fixed that they can't see the joy. They can't celebrate it. So what's the good news in this? It all just seems this long litany of confusion and anger and fear and frustration. Pretty much, if you're on social media, just read any of them. It pretty much is this story over and over again. Jesus said this right near the beginning. When the disciples gave Jesus a terrible choice, Either this man or his parents had sinned. That's all there is. That's the only options. Jesus said it's not this man or his parents. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. Now, it's a pretty clunky translation and we haven't got time to go into it all. But it's not so much that this is the purpose of the man's life, but that it's not about the parents or the man himself It's not about that. It's about God's work. What is God's work? Well, Jesus gives us clues all the way through this story. First of all, we're told that the man is blind from birth, which is not a very good translation. A better translation is the man is blind from the very beginning. And the very beginning is the same words that the Gospel of John uses in the very first verse. In the beginning was the word. It's the very same words that the book of Genesis uses right in the beginning. In the beginning. Right? It's all about the cosmos. The whole of John's gospel, of course, is not about individuals. It is about individuals, but not only. It's about the whole world, the whole universe. That's what the first chapter is all about. In the beginning, or from the very beginning. And then what does Jesus do to heal the man? Jesus heals people all the time in the Gospels. He doesn't normally go through a sort of fiddle with earth and spittle and water. And... But he uses those elements, the elements that God used right at the beginning. See, all the people who are listening to Jesus, they know the story of Genesis. It's been part of their tradition, part of their education. They know it backwards. Jesus used the very stuff of creation, dirt and water, to heal the man. And Jesus says, I'm light in the world, earlier on in the text too. I'm light in the world. And that's what Genesis begins with, light. First God says, let there be light. Then God says, let the water and the earth be separated from each other. Water and earth. And here he combines them to heal a man. There's something going on here that is deep and powerful. The works of God are the work of creation. They're the making of you and I into alive, fully grown human beings. Friends of God, children of God, made exactly like God, in God's image. That's the work of God. And somehow that had all been lost and forgotten. 
And so Jesus takes a man, an ordinary man, but a man with a great affliction. He takes us, ordinary people, and we scrub up okay, don't we, on a Sunday morning, but we carry lots of afflictions. Some of us, it's obvious we're walking with sticks. Some of us are using walkers. But most of our afflictions are buried deep inside. He takes an ordinary person and in a moment reminds them of who they are. They are part of the great creation of God. They are what God put together at the very beginning and in every moment. What we now call the Big Bang, the essence of everything coming together in the, you know, that you and I are made of the dust of exploding stars. The very moment of creation, the big, what we now call the Big Bang, is what created you and everything we see and have around us. In that moment, God did that. In every moment, God does it in you and me. And what does God say about it? It's good. And if you can't believe that, God says it again. It is good. And if you can't believe that, God says it again. And eventually says, it is very good. That is the way God made the world. That is the way God restores the world. That is the way God speaks and restores to us. Do you believe in the Son of Man, Jesus says? And the man says, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know who, what is going on. Jesus, in a sense, is saying, I opened your eyes, now look. You've got working eyes, now look. You've got working souls and hearts, now open them and see who you are. Loved by God, the friends of God, made in God's image. That's who we are. Thanks be to God.